0: Hello there everybody, what culture's Adam Cleary here and have you ever wondered why sci-fi shows love, love to talk about time travel? There's a very, very good reason for it and that is if you are looking at a show from scientific possibilities and pushing the boundaries of human exploration and knowledge, the furthest you can take that is the ability to control and reverse time. Discovering alien races? pa. The non-trivial challenge of intergalactic spaceflight? pa. The ability to go back and undo your own mistakes? Ka-ching! And as both a show and movie series, Star Trek has made exploring the wilds of time travel as intricate a part of the lore, as Captain Kirk doing the old greased weasel tango with painted ladies. So what are the very best television episodes of time travel? Well, there are absolutely loads to choose from, but I think when you boil down the implications and the excitement, you can get A solid 10 but of course before I do special mention must go to Time's Arrow from the next generation, E2 in Enterprise, Tomorrow is Yesterday in the original series, Timeless in Voyager and Little Green Men in DS9. They could very easily have been in this list but they're not because my name is Adam Cleary and these are the 10 greatest time travel episodes in Star Trek history. Number 10, The Visitor, Deep Space Nine. Now, time travel episodes tend to boil down into two categories. You either get the funny ones, like in Little Green Men, or you get the really drama-packed ones, like The Visitor, and in this one, you've got possibly the most emotional gut wrench in Star Trek history. It sees Captain Sisko become trapped in time through really complicated science reasons I'm not going to explain now, and appear to his son Jake, who assumes he is dead, throughout the rest of his life. Jake is haunted both physically by his father and emotionally by his inability to free him from this time prison, and dedicates his entire life to the detriment of his own happiness to working out a way to fix it, before finally realising the only solution is to kill himself. It is a supremely well-written episode, it explores grief, it explores trauma, it explores death, probably Jake Sisko's best ever episode in all of Deep Space Nine and if you ain't seen it, you should. Number nine, cause and effect, the next generation. Now alright I'm not a scientist exactly but there was a lot of contrivances in cause and effect, a lot of very convenient little plot points that time would just loop itself for no apparent reason and data could somehow communicate with himself just about between the loops but None of that matters because the episode was brilliant. It opens with a stunning and quite literal bang as the Enterprise sees a spatial anomaly, something comes out of it, clatters into it, blows it up and kills every single person on board. And then time just loops itself and it does it all over again. And they're trapped in this loop forever and ever and ever until dr crusher starts to hear voices from the previous loop right as that loop ends and from there they sort of piece the puzzle together despite the problems with the idea it's still a fascinating and captivating conceit they replay the same few hours over and over again always with the same disastrous fate it's kind of like But like Groundhog Day, except where like hundreds of people end up dying. And at the end, when they finally figure out a way to break the loop and save themselves, they meet the captain of the other Federation ship, and it's only bloody Kelsey Grammer. Number 8, Endgame Voyager. An absolutely fantastic Star Trek episode, this that sticks completely to the famous rule of two Picards. Except, in this case, they're Janeways. Endgame was categorically the right way to end Star Trek Voyager. Captain Janeway, from the future, comes back to offer her younger self a way to escape the Delta Quadrant 16 years earlier, using some slightly illicit stolen Borg technology. And the concept, the conflict that then creates, is one of the best things the show ever did. And the reason it works is it touches on the greatest concept in all of Star Trek Voyager, that Janeway took it upon herself to make that decision in the first episode that stranded everybody on the other side of the galaxy and never questioned that decision. The only person who could cast doubt over it was herself, having lived all the consequences of it way into the future and deciding that, no, that was wrong and coming back to fix it. And the way the episode twists and turns with Janeway refusing to compromise with literally herself from the future leads to this great internal conflict before they finally come to a solution where older Janeway sacrifices herself, saves the ship, destroys part of the Borg and the Borg Queen in the process, and they finally, finally get home. Yes, it's a little bit contrived, of course, but is it the best series end for a Star Trek show ever? It's up there. Number seven, Time Squared, The Next Generation. What's the rule of two Picards that you just mentioned in that last episode before there, Adam, but I've never really heard of before? Well, it's this. It's when there's two Picards! Yes, Times Squared was not only the next generation's first inevitable foray into time travel, it was also one of the show's best. Picard from the present finds Picard from six hours in the future, who has escaped the destruction of the Enterprise when it got thrown into a vortex, and he is more annoyed that the guy didn't go down with a ship than he is that his entire crew and ship are dead and destroyed. Yeah, the entire episode has this crazy topsy-turvy feel to it, and when you think they're gonna do one thing, they don't do that, that and when they do do one thing they don't actually think the other thing and in the end Picard kills Picard and if you think that's a spoiler I haven't told you which way around it is and if nothing else Times Squared opens with the Star Trek version of Come Dine With Me and the most awkward dinner party you're ever going to see in your life there are millions millions upon millions of different food combinations available in a replicator and Commander Eicher serves bad omelette as a main course bad omelette Boo this man! Number six, Children of Time, Deep Space Nine. Now, I might be a little biased here because the Defiant was low-key my favourite Star Trek ship ever, mostly because it just looks so un-Star Trek, and it was too powerful for its own good, and it was never really supposed to be a ship. But then they all loved it, and they kept it, and even when it got blown up, they got they got another one. So any episode that focuses on that. Gets a pass in my book. Gets a big old pass. Children of Time is a fairly straightforward moral dilemma framed in a big scientific quandary. The kind of thing that sci-fi loves to do whenever it gets the chance. Basically, the Defiant is pulled into this temporal vortex thing. 200. Yes, in the future, where they discover the 200-year-old colony that was founded by the descendants of the Crash Defiant when they were originally pulled through the thing and then crashed on the planet. It sorta makes sense. It's an emotionally harrowing episode, this one, because they discover that they have two ways they can leave, right? Either they can leave one way, which will wipe out 200 years of history on the colony, or they can leave another way, which will preserve the colony, but Major Kira will die. And she's like, well, there's 8,000 of you and only one of me, so, okay, I guess I've got to die then. But Odo has, of course, survived those 200 years because he is a shapeshifter. He alters their flight plan, so he kills the entire colony to save Kira because even after 200 years, he still loves her. Now I mean that is a lovely gesture from Odo and all of that, but if my lover was getting me a gift, I think I'd want like, I don't know, aftershave or like a little weekend away or something, not the deaths of 8,000 people on my conscience. Number five, Tapestry, The Next Generation. Yes, this is one of those absolutely classic Next Generation episodes where Q basically just decides to ruin Picard's life because it's a slow day in the continuum. It's also brilliant because it's basically the Star Trek version of It's a Wonderful Life. Picard is dying on Crusher's medical table and Q goes, ah, well, it's because your heart, because you got a fake heart, because you were such a troublemaker in youth. You've got a fake heart and that's now what's going to kill you. Picard's like, ugh. Oh. Well, if I could do it all again, I wouldn't be the kind of impulsive idiot that would wind up getting stabbed through the chest by a an again and needing a fake heart. So Q goes, really? Do you not want to be that guy? Well, let's see how your life would have turned out. And it turns out Picard wasn't the kind of impulsive little dickhead in his youth that slept with loads of women and ended up in bar fights with really scary big aliens, He never would have become captain of the Enterprise. He would have lacked that core personality trait that made him an adventurer, an explorer, a leader of men. The kind of person that you'd want to serve under. And there's this great scene where he's just an old lieutenant having his annual review done by Riker and Troi who were like, You're just a fart in the wind, mate. That's all you are. Basically, right, Q shows them, this is the life you lead because you're not a wuss, and this is the life you lead if you are a wuss, and really, what's worse? Mediocrity or having your chest exploded. Number four, Trials and Tribulations, DS9. You know what? Full disclosure, right? The first time I saw this episode, I thought it was cheesy, I thought it was cringy. I thought it was just really bad and unnecessary, and just this desperate attempt to, like, get in a load of old fans to watch a new series, but I have since watched it back, and you know what it is? Brilliant. Basically, the crew of the Defiant gets thrown back in time to attempt to stop the assassination of a one, James T. Kirk, who the Time Police, whose actual name I forget, have declared a notorious temporal violator. Presumably by temporal air, they mean vaginal. It's basically a love letter to the original series of Star Trek, framed through a really funny episode of Deep Space Nine. They all don the original uniforms. They basically make fun of a load of old tropes of the original series. Dax being like, you can pretty much see my bum in this skirt. And there are a million people on this ship, and Klingons look really, really weird. There's that great bit where he's like, hang on, that's a Klingon. Where's where's all his face stuff? And Worf goes... We do not talk about it. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, the effects work in this episode, where they merge the Deep Space Nine crew with the original series crew, is not... it's not horrible. It should look really, really bad, but there's a scene where Cisco talks to Kirk, and it just looks really good. Number three, Yesterday's Enterprise. Uh, what's that? You want to know a little bit more about the rule of two Picards? Well, here you go, because if there is ever an alternate version of Picard presented in an episode, the episode is good. That's the rule. Now, if you want an indication of just how good this episode is, it was originally pitched as the first next generation movie, but Paramount at the time weren't interested in doing them, so they're like, okay, we'll cobble it together and it can just be a TV episode instead. Now, had they known, had they known that we're going to be able to do movies somewhere down the line, we might not have got insurrection. Now, the episode begins with the Enterprise D discovering a fairly mysterious rift, whereupon the Enterprise C, previously thought to have been destroyed, defending the Klingon against the Romulans and thus ushering in decades of peace with the Empire emerges from it and the timeline immediately changes. Now, in this new timeline, the Federation is suddenly still in the midst of a brutal and bloody war with the Klingon Empire. Tasha Yar is still there because, of course, they wouldn't have wasted time exploring strange planets, and Worf is not there because a Klingon would never have been welcome in the Federation. The only person who notices the difference is, of course, Guinan, who seeks out Picard to tell him that none of this is right. When that ship emerged from the Anomaly, it changed everything. And the only way to fix it, the only way to win this war, which the Federation are badly losing, is to send them back back to certain death this of course leads to that entire subplot with tashi r and the romulans because she falling in love with one of the enterprise c crew members because she has no place in the original timeline ends up going back and joining in that fight it's just it's my favorite next generation episode my favorite 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 number two the city on the edge of forever the original series Now, yes, alright, you probably expected this to be in the number one position, and I wouldn't argue with you if you think it's the best, probably most Star Trek fans do, but I just think the one we've got at number one just edges it for me, but regardless, this is still one of the greatest Star Trek episodes of all time, regardless of genre. The City on the Edge of Forever is not only a great Star Trek episode, it is one of the best time travel episodes ever written. It's got humanist ideologies in it, moral conundrums, it's got drama, it's got intrigue, it's got romance, it's probably one of the most complete television episodes ever written. And it presents you with the ultimate causality problem. What if somebody who was inadvertently allowed to live accidentally caused the Nazis to win World War II and human civilization to evolve from there on? And of course, because that's just what he does. Kirk falls in love with said person, which means... Well, do you know what? Actually, if you've not seen this episode, I'm not going to spoil that for you. Go, go take an hour out of your day, go and watch that. It's just... Yeah, I'm not going to spoil it. What I will say though is that the episode carries a message that being a hero comes often at a huge cost. And causality, time travel and all of this is a cold, unforgiving, relentless, horrible, horrible mistress. Number one, all good things, the next generation. Alright, I'll tell you why I've put this at number one. The City on the Edge of Forever is one of the greatest sci-fi episodes, one of the greatest time travel episodes of television ever written. But All Good Things is all of that and also one of the greatest Star Trek episodes ever written. It is a love letter to the entire next generation. And if you thought the rule of two Picards was good, this one's brilliant because it's got the rule of three! Three Picards! It's got Q, it's got time drumming, it's got humanity answering for all of its crimes yet again. It goes back to the start of the show, the middle of the show and way into the future with three! Count them, three Picards! Basically, it's a multiple timeline episode with everything coalescing into one singular point in both space and time. You've got the original Enterprise from the Far Point mission where Picard does not have the trust or the assurance of his crew. You've got the Enterprise from where it is in the present, where everyone would absolutely die for him, and you've got the Enterprise from the future, commanded by Admiral Riker, where everybody absolutely hates him. Fundamentally All Good Things shows you everything that is brilliant about Star Trek The Next Generation, the crew and how they interact together, them as a family, what it would look like if they were divided, Picard as a leader, Picard as a captain, and of course, Three enterprises in which some of them may or may not blow up. And plus, do you know what it is? Jumping through time basically allowed the show to just flex on how good and well-written it had been throughout its entire run. Like, it just shows off all the things it did so brilliantly well. Calls back to old episodes, calls back old characters. And in the end, again, it's all about Q because he just he just loves to mess with that man. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince.